Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. Hey, welcome back, everybody. If you are that person that feels that just pain, you have this ongoing pain in your body somewhere, waking up in the morning uh, is, is kind of a challenge as well. Structural integration is something that can really help you. And we've learned a lot so far with this woman who practices that and so much more with Integrative Body Dynamics. That's her company. And she is Mary McMichael and she's back with us. Hi, Mary. How are you doing? Hey, Steve. It's good to be with you. Thank you. How are you today? I'm well. I'm it's actually a beautiful day here, here in New York. I mean, I can't complain for you know February. It is here too. Yeah. Where are you at again? Omaha, Nebraska. In Nebraska. Okay, gotcha. What well, I'm curious. I love temperatures. What, what's your temp now? Oh, it's it's cooler today. It's in the 30s today. Okay. But tomorrow it's going to be in the 50s. So oh, gotcha. And we're we're at 58 somewhere around there, which was a, that's great. I wasn't even expecting that. Doesn't even feel like uh, it feels like April actually. Um, right. So we've we've talked about in the past the basics mm -hmm. of structural integration and mm -hmm. how it can help. Today, we're going to look at some of the movements. Do I have that right? Yeah, we're going to talk about some things that people can do at home because, you know, when I'm in a session with a client, I will customize everything for that client and uh, give them movements they can do after the session to retain the benefits from the session and then also to continue to extend those. But there are some general movement patterns that people can use that almost everyone would be helped by. And I thought we'd talk a little bit about that today. Yeah, that'd be great. You know what? But even before we jump in, for somebody that didn't check us out previously, quick definition of structural integration. So structural integration, the easiest way I describe it, it's realigning the body vertically and horizontally and removing restrictions in movement. So you can move more freely, have more energy, and just do more of those things that you really want to do with your life. And those are things that you can only be done with somebody in person. You can't do it virtually, but some of those right. movements, are those movements related to structural integration that you're going to show us? Well, the movements are related to the body. Okay. So, you know, the whole purpose of structural integration is to remove restrictions, to free up the body. And all of us have movement patterns that we do every day. A lot of us sit a lot of the day. Some people drive. So they're sitting and driving, you know, where they'll have uh, greater stress in maybe the right leg than the left leg. So everyone has patterns, you know. I, I know, you know, some people are walking all the time. You think of a UPS driver or FedEx driver, they're running all the time. You, everyone's going to have a different set of restrictions based on the things they're doing every day and how they're holding their body or using their body on a regular basis. But, you know, we all have a similar structure in our body. You know, we have a head, shoulders, we have arms and legs and a trunk. And there's some common things that tend to affect everyone. Almost everyone has some stress in the neck and upper back. Okay. A lot of people have some stress in the lower back. And then, you know, an area for... Um, concern of around a lot of people is around, you know, the hips and the knees and the feet. So if you kind of think about those general areas that everyone deals with at some point, there are some basic movements that can, can be done that will help everyone. All you have to do is say upper back and neck. And <laughs> immediately I feel like, oh, 
God, I'm like, I, I wish I, I could have a chiropractor walk right here <laughs> or somebody do a massage. And, uh-huh. I, and, I, and you kind of block it out. But when you bring it to our attention, it's like, yeah, that's tight. You know, that's a, obviously a stress zone there. Um, right. Yeah. That being said, why does it feel tight? Why do you, why do you get that feeling? Why does it all center for most of us up there? So, you know, we all are using our bodies in various ways every day and the muscles and the bones and, you know, tissue in our body, everything is wrapped in and contains connective tissue, which is what holds everything together and lets our body kind of move freely. So the way it is designed, you know, the connective tissue around each muscle and around each bone would let the body move. So whether it's the shoulders or the head or whatever, we're, we have the ability to move freely in all directions because of that um, freedom of movement where connective tissue connects to connective tissue, right? But over time, when we have repetitive movements or when we have specific holding patterns, like you're sitting at your desk, I would guess, a lot of the day with your headset on and kind of in a fixed position, your connective tissue is go- actually going to change consistency in your body to help hold you there because our body's always trying to compensate for whatever we're doing. So you will get areas, depending on how you're holding your head, like, you know, when I look at you, your head is tilted a little bit to the right. Your neck on that side and on the other side are going to adjust to help hold you there, right? So when we do specific movement patterns or even work on the table, the point of that is to release those places where that tissue has thickened up and is holding you there. So when you want to go do something different or make a movement in a different direction, maybe you want to turn to the other direction instead of leaning, you know, to one side or the other, it's going to make that more difficult when that tissue has thickened up. So the point of the structural integration work and the movements I give people at the end of the session are to free that up on an ongoing basis. And, you know, you and I have talked about using a a foam roller, for instance, or a therapy ball to, you know, move that tissue around. Those are great tools. Everyone should have a 36 inch foam roller. Everyone should have a therapy ball that's probably four or five inches in diameter that they can use around their neck, between their shoulder blades. Um, I usually start with people on the floor. If they can get up and down off the floor with no problems, I say use the, the foam roller on the floor. If people have issues with getting up and down, which a lot of people do as they age because of their knees, then I have them do those exercises up against the wall. Hmm. And so you just put the foam roller in the middle of your back and you roll one way and you roll the other way. And it's going to ease up those restrictions that you have developed over time. I'll be right the back. Same way I'm, with- I'm, I'm going on Amazon right now to order that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. And, and I think you mentioned it way back and it's in my shopping history and I forgot to order it, but I wasn't sure what size and you just said it. So 36 right. inch is the one you're looking yeah. for. Yeah, you want the longer one. So it'll go all the way from the top of your head, you know, to the bottom of your butt. Whether you're laying on it on the floor or whether you have it up against the wall, you'll really get that whole body movement. And if you're on the floor, the weight of your body rolling on the roller is great for opening up that tissue. Mm. If, if you're doing it up against the wall, then how you control that pressure 
is how far you're standing from the, the wall and how far your feet are apart because that's going to lean more of your body against the roller. So you can really control the pressure. Like a person that's heavier, they may be uncomfortable doing it on the floor, even though they have the uh, freedom of movement to get up and down because their weight on the roller is going to be greater than their comfort. But they will be able to do it on the wall where they can really control that pressure. I, I would assume if you can do it on the floor, that's your best bet because that's the yes. most pressure you're putting on everything. Yes. So on your back, you would want to do it on the floor. And then you want to just sit astride the roller and roll your body to one side and then roll your body to the other side because that gets the bottom of the glutes and your hamstrings where we all get, you know, a lot of tension built up. Exactly. Huh. All right. So moves, movement. Do you have some tips that we can possibly use? Yeah. So, you know, there's things you can do that don't require tools, right? So one thing I tell all clients to do is find a corner in a room. And, you know, a lot of people have furniture all over. And the only place they really have nothing on the wall is like behind a door, like behind the bathroom door, behind the bedroom door. I have them put their hands up on the walls on either side of the corner with their nose facing into the corner, lean their body forward into the corner, bring the shoulder blades back together and lean their head way back because that releases this tension on the back of the neck and the upper sh shoulders. Hmm. So that's something that's good for everyone. And if you can do that, you know, I tell people to put a reminder on their phone to drink water and do their stretches. Stretches are so beneficial and we, we, we take them for granted. We don't put enough emphasis right. on them, but as I've, I've, I've learned, and I, I believe this is true that you have to hold the stretch uh, typically for at least 20 seconds for the body to really uh, recognize that you're making a change. Yeah. And you don't have to start out at 20 seconds. So I tell people to, to lean in and hold that, you know, that pressure back for three to five seconds and then come back out in their normal position and then build that up over time. Hmm. Because not everyone's going to be comfortable doing that 20 or 30 seconds at a time to begin with. It's no different than any other exercise, right? You want to start out in moderation and then, you know, hold more time as you progress. Yeah, it's like eternity at 20 seconds. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll go to the gym <laughs> and I'll go on the, you know, on a mat, artificial turf, and I'll, I'll stretch and try to hold something. And it's just like, you know, even planking. You know, I'll play around with that. Just to, right. you know, just change it up a little variety, but it is like eternity, <laughs> even if you're in shape right. sometimes. Uh, and I try to, you know, listen to music to focus away from it. But either mm -hmm. way, it's so it's so important. It's just a, I've done this and I love it. And I think anybody can do it is a broomstick. Even just, a, you know, you can even unscrew it or the broom could be at the end of mm -hmm. it. I put it behind my shoulders like this and I just, you know, do stretches like that, hold it like this. Uh, it just feels so good. Yeah. So uh, most people have created holding patterns in their chest and their abdomen. And a lot of that starts when they're actually a very small child, because a lot of times, you know, parents in their 
in their uh, desire to move their child forward will start potty training before the child is really ready. And so the child learns to try to hold everything, right? And we build these holding patterns where we hold our breath or hold our ribs close. And so one of the things you can do is just do a stretch, you know, put your put your arm up and stretch over as far as you can go down without falling over. Obviously, you want to kind of spread your feet out a little bit further than hip width apart and do those stretches on one side and then the other side. That helps stretch out that rib cage. And the other thing you can do is if you have like the therapy ball, whatever size that is, I like the five inch because it's big enough that it ha- it hits a wider span of tissue. Put your arm up, put the ball between your body and the wall and just roll back and forth and open up the tissue on those ribs and then take a nice deep breath because that's actually going to give you the capability to breathe more deeply and better oxygenate the cells in your body. My gosh, that looks like it would feel so good. <laughs> it does feel good. I, yeah, even the foam roller <laughs> on the floor. I just, I, I would just, I would just be going back and forth. It just, it you know, you can't have a a massage all the time, but you can use the foam roller right. to almost kind of simulate that. You know, somebody going at it or even putting an elbow gently into your back there. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, if you use the foam roller once a day, it, it will it will change so much so quickly. Wow. How about some other tips, some other stretches, movements? Yeah. So anything where you can do movements differently than you normally need, you know, that you would do. The the other area of the body that we tend to be, have a holding pattern in is our body. You know, especially when we're sitting or walking, we're very faced forward. And some of us were taught as children, you know, to stand tall, put our head back, you know, put a book on our head Mm. or whatever. We hold our body so tight. And what I try to teach people is if you think about when you walk, your pelvis should be going like this, right? It should have almost a figure eight pattern. So when your left foot goes forward, the left side of your pelvis is going to come down a little bit and the right side is going to come up. And then when you put the right foot forward, the left side is going to come up and the right side is going to go down. Hmm. Instead of trying to hold our body straight at that point, if we can start getting some of that transverse motion in our body as we're walking, it frees up a lot of things around our rib cage and waist. Wow. How can you be mindful of that when you're walking? Well, mindful is really a good, good question. And you mentioned early on in today's discussion that you don't really, you kind of don't think about your shoulders and neck, right? Most people are very disassociated from their body Mm. because over time you build up these whatever tensions and pains and discomforts and you try to just ignore it and move on. And so we do become very disassociated from how our body's feeling. One of the things that people comment on frequently when they go through the series of structural integration sessions is how much more aware they become of their body and how it's feeling because I'm constantly asking them, right, what are you noticing now? What are you noticing in this area of your body? And suddenly they get a greater awareness. Many of the movement patterns I get people to do, I suggest they take a full length mirror and put at the end of a hall and do the movements walking toward the mirror or standing in front Mm. of the mirror. Mm. So you can really see what your body is doing. That's a great idea. And you know, 
I got to believe in some regards, it's a good thing that you disconnect from your body. Otherwise, all we would be doing is complaining all day long. Uh, or fixing it. <laughs> yeah, or fixing it. But yeah. if, if you didn't fix it, you're going to complain about it because it's yeah. going to be on your radar. So it's uh-huh. interesting that you say that where we just you know automatically, it's almost like a uh, safety mechanism. Let me just disconnect from that 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 dull pain that I have. Uh, but when you do think about it, it's like, oh, gosh, wow, I didn't know that. <laughs> Why am I? Th- exactly. And it's always there. That's the thing. The pain is always there, but you only think about it. You only feel it when you think about it. You know, it comes back up. Uh, right. Or when it gets so intense, it becomes well, something you have to deal with. Right. Well, yeah. When it gets to that level, I guess that 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 went past your your threshold of acceptability right. there. Uh, energy medicine is something also that you practice, right? Yes. Um, you know, energy medicine really is thinks about, you know, our energetic being. So my belief is that we are energetic beings that are inhabiting a physical body for this lifetime. And, um, you know, there's a, uh, a whole belief system around the energy that's in our space and how that affects us. There can be energies that enable us to be, you know, happier, healthier, uh, more joyful in our life every day. We want more of that. But there can also be energies that are not enabling us, that may have been there at one time to help us, um, or it could be something that we have picked up from someone else that's that's not healthy for us. And I believe that if we have those energies that are no longer serving us, that are in our energy space, it can manifest in the physical body as an illness. And if we remove that energy from the energy body, then it's going to not keep manifesting as illnesses in the physical body. So people that have had treatment over and over for an illness and it keeps coming back, my belief is that's because the energy is in their energetic space and continues to re-manifest in some way or another maybe the same way or a different way. And so by removing that energy from the person's energetic body, it frees up that space to have more joy and happiness and health. And that's something that can be done remotely. You don't have to physically be in a room with someone to to do the energy work. Most of the people, my peers in this space, uh, do remote work every day. What type of modalities do you use for energy work? There's so many different, a number of different ones. Yeah, a lot of people are familiar with Reiki. That's probably the thing that most people are familiar with. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, the the method that I'm taught is indigenous shamanic energy. And so, you know, it's a set of protocols that have been proven over thousands of years to be effective in, you know, removing that energy that's no longer serving us. And then, you know, helping the person reintegrate those parts of the body that have been affected by that, that may have become disassociated. The way you practice it, I'm, I'm totally familiar with Reiki. Uh, I've had a session two weeks, two weeks ago. Uh, Great. Yeah. And, and I've done it virtually. I've done it in person. Um, right. Very beneficial. Always a different experience, which is super interesting. What you're describing, uh, how do you do that? Well, I don't know that I want to go into a lot of the protocol, but but how I do it is I connect with the person's energy wherever they are, right? 
and I assess through a process where in their body the energy may be affected. And I work with that energy. The, the most important thing is that the individual, you know, has to give permission and they have to be willing to release that energy. And although you would think that people would just intuitively want to release the energy, there's a lot of times there are things that have happened that either we have buried, you know, a lot of children have trauma they just buried, they may not even remember what it was because their conscious mind has buried it. I don't try to get into uh, scenarios or situations. I'm just looking at the energy itself. So it doesn't matter what caused the energy to be attached to that individual. I look at, is this an an energy that's assisting this person or is this something that's not enabling them? I do ask permission always at that time. Are you ready for this to be released? So everything is based on the permission of the person and their willingness to be affected. And many times they will feel it immediately. I feel that release. Yeah, I've experienced it. Uh, mm-hmm. even, even out of a, even a, a virtual Reiki session, just a feeling of lighter, calmer, Right. One description, but then there was another time I had a session in the last, um, I don't know, three months, four months, whatever. Um, Two days later, I had so much clarity on a personal situation. Mm -hmm. It was very weird. It was just, I'm thinking, maybe I got more sleep. I don't know what it was, but I really think it was the Reiki that kind of helped me out with that. And then somebody told me, well, the Reiki probably gave you more sleep, allowed you to sleep better. So either way, it did its job. Right. Yeah, as you said, many people feel very light. Sometimes they will almost feel like they're levitating during the session. Um, And most will say that they are sleeping better, especially the first few days after the session, because things will continue to process and release after the session. Gotcha. A couple of minutes left here. Uh, Any other thoughts on energy medicine that you want to share? I would just say I would ask people to be open. You know, because there's there's many different ways that energy medicine can work and be applied. And the most important thing is the intention that you go into it with, because the same energetic protocols that can be used to help people can also be used to hurt people. And so the, the important thing is the intent of the client and the intent of the practitioner to make sure that it's for that individual's highest good. And the energy will go where it needs to go. That's the best part. That's what I've always understood that it's exactly you know, people wonders like, how does that actually work? It's going where it needs to go. Uh, right. It's, it's, it's amazing. Uh, best way to reach you. What's your website, Mary? www.integratedbodydynamics.com. And the energy modalities you can do virtually. Uh, right. But a lot of us need to understand a little bit better, kind of new to them. And like you said, have an open mind. If somebody mm-hmm. has a question, do you have a, a free consult just to learn a little bit more? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, good talk today. Learned a lot. And uh, if you will excuse me, now I'm going to order that foam roller. Okay. <laughs> you think I'm, good for you. You think I'm kidding. I am. No, I don't. Oh, <laughs> and it's already, I think it might be in the shopping cart from the last time we talked and I never did, but uh, integrated bodydynamics.com. Mary, thank you so much. And uh, we'll talk soon. All right. Thanks, Steve. Bye-bye. We'll be right back. 
Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm Jason Derulo. I love that music connects to people all over the country, but unfortunately, so does something else. Childhood hunger. 15 million kids struggle with hunger right here in America. And yet, every year, billions of pounds of surplus food in the U.S. go to waste instead of going to the children in need. Feeding America is working to change this. The Feeding America nationwide network of food banks rescues this surplus of food to help provide meals to families in virtually every community in the United States, including yours. But they just can't do this alone. Join me in the fight against hunger in America. For more information on what you can do to get involved, visit feedingamerica.org. That's feedingamerica.org. Together we can solve hunger. Together, we're feeding America. A message from Feeding America and the Ad Council. 